one constant through all the years, Ray, has been baseball. God, I love baseball. How can you not be romantic about baseball? Man, this is baseball. You gotta stop thinking. I believe in the church of baseball. There's no crying in baseball! Hey guys, welcome to the show. I'm Andrew. And I'm Paul. And this is Play Ball. Baseball at the Movies. The show where we watch and talk about every baseball movie. Every single one. There is. All of them. Not in this episode. So much. Just, just one. <laughs> just, just one, one per episode. Yeah. You don't have to listen to them all. It'd be nice. This episode <laughs> like it. is a thousand hours. <laughs> so today we're talking about The Sandlot. Now he's in. Yeah! Alright! With the coolest guys in the neighborhood. They've got the look. They've got the moves. <laughs> They've got the rap. Blockhead, geek, jerk, idiot, moron. You bob for apples in the toilet, and you like it. You play ball like a girl. I'm so excited. I love this movie. Me too, buddy. This is great. Uh, if you don't aren't familiar with it, The Sandlot is about a ragtag group of friends in 1962 who have the best summer of their lives playing baseball in the neighborhood Sandlot and contending with The Beast, a local junkyard dog and legendary enemy of fly balls that are hit over the fence. It stars Tom Geary as Scotty Smalls and Mike Walter. I should have uh, looked at these names first. (laughs) Viter? Viter? I can't tell if this is an We're so sorry, Michael. (laughs) Um, Uh, Well, anyway, Mike. We're going to get an angry letter from Benny (laughs) Rodriguez. It also stars Karen Allen, Dennis Leary, and James Earl Jones. That's right. Uh, the Sandlot came out on April 7th, 1993. So I got some fun facts, Paul. You got some fun facts? I got All right, here's ba- baseball in 1993. So, fun facts with Andrew Knapp. That's, that was great. Oh, you like great, that? Yeah. Thank you. So The Sandlot came out just in time for baseball season in 1993. This was the final season, 1993, yeah. with only two divisions. They only had East and West. And oh. the Central Division was added the next year. That went all the way to 1993? Yeah. So 94 was our first year with the Central Division. Barry Bonds for the Giants, your your favorite team. My favorite team. Uh, he won the National League MVP. He was in the first year of a then-record $43.75 million contract over six years. It was the highest contract in baseball at the time. It sounds like such a tiny contract Today, yeah. do you want to guess how much in the... The equivalent would be? The equivalent today. Um, I'm gonna. Oh my God, forty three million. Let me just get out my inflation calculator. Um, That's right. Keep it handy. Uh, uh, I'm gonna say one hundred sixty seventy four million dollars. That's it. That's it. Wow. So what we can tell is, first of all, Barry Bonds is uh, is a little bit underpaid. A little bit. <laughs> uh, just a tiny bit. Second, I guess not only is uh, does inflation exist, but we pay our athletes a lot more. <laughs> totally. Yeah. Uh, Wow. Bryce Harper, take note. <laughs> Barry Bonds only got 74. One more fun fact about 1993. Yeah. Uh, this movie's all about the Dodgers as well. Boo. And Mike Piazza. Boo. Mike Piazza. Is he a producer? One rookie oh. of the year with the LA Dodgers in 1993. He was a rookie? That was his rookie, was rookie season? rookie season in Dang. 1993. So if you, if you love the Dodgers, you watch this movie and you're like, this is great. You went out, you had a great season, watch Mike Piazza, you know, you're doing good. You were doing good. You're living your best Dodger life. (laughs) The Sandlot received mixed reviews, mixed to positive when it came out, but not sort of 
and sort of outstanding, but it has since become a cult classic. This is kind of those mid-90s. It's right around when uh, DVD was first coming out. Mm. So I think that helped it as well. You know, sort of films got kind of a second boost. Uh, Shawshank Redemption, sure. the same thing. Especially it being a kid's movie, I feel like. Definitely, um, yeah. <laughs> Parents can put it on and yeah, just do something else your for kids, two hours. Watch this over and over. Uh, and I, I did. I really did. <laughs> uh, here's a quote from Roger Ebert's review. Ebert gave it three out of four stars. He liked the movie a lot. He said, There was a moment in the film when Rodriguez hit a line drive directly at the pitcher's mound, and I ducked and held up my mitt. And then I realized I didn't have a mitt, and it was then also I realized how completely this movie had seduced me with its memories of what really matters when you are 12. Dude, I'm, I'm just crying. It's beautiful. <laughs> Can we just podcast just be about Roger Ebert and how, <laughs> how much I miss that Welcome guy? Welcome to the podcast where we read Ebert's <laughs> reviews of every baseball movie. Just say, like, wow, that guy was great. <laughs> this is great. Uh, that's it. That's all we got for today. <laughs> <laughs> So, for people who haven't seen this movie, maybe since they were a kid or a little while, there's almost two halves to this movie. The first half of the movie is really about Smalls coming in and meeting the other kids, you know, developing this relationship with Benny, especially, and... And his dad. And his his (laughs) stepdad. That's right. The best mom in the world. And go out and get in trouble. Right. Uh, Whose mom says that Fucking Marion Ravenwood, man. Wonderful mom. She's the best. It's her son, and she's got a stepdad. Did Indiana Jones? Is Indiana Jones Smalls' dad? Oh, my God. Timeline-wise, it it, It wouldn't be. It would would be kind of. Smalls would have to be. He was off. uh, uh, That's right. According to the fourth one, yeah, he's in the. He's off fighting the Cold War. That's right. Fighting the Cold War. His son is playing baseball with James Earl Jones. Yeah, he fought in the Korean War, right? He did. Yeah. According to. Well, this is 62. It's. Uh, anyway. He's, anyway, he's off. He's what were we talking about? The Sandlot? Uh. <laughs> but but yeah, so so the again, the first half of the movie is it's him learning about baseball. Too, right. Is really what it is. And we meet uh Squints, we meet Ham, you know, mm-hmm. we meet the whole team and they're they're showing him how to catch, how to hit a home run, you know, how and, and also how to have fun. You know, this is again, this is where we get a lot of these uh little vignettes of they go to the carnival and everybody throws up. They go to the pool and right. Squint uh, kisses Wendy Peppercorn, and uh, and and we, we get kind of all this all this fun of baseball and being a kid and all that. And then uh, the crux of the movie: Benny, hit, I think it's Benny, hits the home run. Someone hits a home run. Benny we, does, hits the omen. He knocks the uh, um, the skin it. off the that's ball, it. which is not a home run. It's it gets caught. Run. And then they're all, oh, something's going to happen. And yeah. then um, Smalls. They don't have a ball. Smalls hits his own ball into over the fence. Smalls goes home and gets his stepdad's Babe Ruth signed ball. Right. Which is... And she has no idea who Babe Ruth is. <laughs> you know, that happens. Sometimes that happens. Sometimes you just don't know who Sometimes it is. you don't know who it is, Babe even Ruth. though you know that the ball is worth... You know that your stepdad has a whole loves room. it. Literally, a whole room dedicated to it. And you're like, you know what? Let's go hit that around. That's the one. It. That's the one. What a dummy. Uh, <laughs> so, so he hits. He hits his first. home It is his first home run too. Yeah, it was his first home run. Good for you, Smalls. Yeah, hitting the first dinger. Uh, if this were the, if this was major leagues, they would toss it back and you get to keep it. That'd be nice. That's right. 
But he hits the it beast and not toss it. Back. <laughs> That's and and then the second half of the movie comes into play. The second half of the movie, it's like five different genre movies. It's, it's the best. I love it's it. Like it's like a, a horror movie. It's a heist monster movie. It's heist. A, it's a it's a war movie. It's a war. That's right. And then it becomes. Uh, they they try all these different devices to retrieve yeah, the ball. Dude. And like as a kid, it, has, it ticks off all the awesome kid movie things. Yeah. It ticks off the monster. Right, it's got the fun kid, crazy characters. Yeah, and then it has all these gadgets, the homemade gadgets, all the cool homemade gadgets that as a kid, it's like, oh, I want, I want all. He's got a periscope made out of the box of Wheaties. It's the coolest. Any of any of the rector set stuff, which they which they also they plant at the beginning. He's playing with the rector sets in his room. The script is very well written. It's really a tight script. The plant and payoff in this movie is great. Well done. Yeah, it's really well done. So so finally, Benny has to climb over the wall. And retrieve the ball, and then it becomes a western. That's, it's crazy, it's yeah. The good, the bad, and the ugly. It becomes this western, like also like French Connection yeah, car chase it's a standoff, <laughs> and then an amazing bullet, Steve McQueen. It's so good. Chase through the whole town, and uh, and then of course they all end up back with. Uh, and it becomes a baseball movie at the end. It does, yeah. And then James Earl Jones is like, <laughs> I was in Field of Dreams. And, yeah. Uh, so it's a it's a great movie. Paul, what do you think about this movie? I love this movie. I mean, I grew up watching this movie, and I'm pretty sure it was the, my first baseball movie. First baseball movie. I think, yeah, before. I think it was before I saw Angels in the Outfield. And I love this movie, and I would watch it over and over again. It was just so instantly relatable. I wanted, I knew those kids hanging out, and I, I wanted to be those kids at the same time. Did you have... Did you have a sandlot? Did I have a sandlot? Did you or or no? Or I had a backyard space. that I would that I would pretend to have friends with, <laughs> play with my imaginary that, friends. That's where you played. You yeah, know, we're talking or my dad, twelve year old baseball. Right, that's where you played. Yeah, or no, I was in Little League too. So I'd, our team would kind of pretend that we were, you know, the Sandlot team. Gotcha. We didn't. I didn't have a Sandlot, but we had. Uh, I had two friends who both lived at the same dead end. And they had sisters, and I have a sister, so mm-hmm. we had six players. <laughs> so we would we would play at our friend's dead end. Yeah, and uh, three on each team. You can't have a full baseball team with three on each side. No. So we had uh, we had ghost runners. <laughs> we had a tree that if you hit the tree, it's a home run. You Dude, know, we modified. I our, wish that was a real thing. Modified in real space. baseball, if there was like trees in the outfield, it'd be great. Sounds I honestly like wish there was more goofy stuff like that in baseball. <laughs> like if you hit the target on the wall, you, ten runs automatic. It's like the new home run derby. <laughs> yeah, hell yeah. Why not? Well, I love this movie. Also, one thing that I love about this movie is that there's no big game in this movie. It's really it's about childhood. That's and it's, true. It's just sort of a series of vignettes. Baseball is part of some of those vignettes. I think there's only like one actual real game. Yeah, in the whole halfway through. It, or the there's other, one in the beginning, and then there's one halfway through the against other, the jerks. The other team. Yeah, there's always a great thing in these movies, or like sports in in children's stories. You know, where the other team always has the pristine uniforms, right? Or what? In Harry Potter, that. Draco Malfoy's dad buys them all the brooms. Right. You know, there's always that. The, Freaking the, rich kids, The man. other team is always so well-funded. <laughs> <laughs> and our ragtag group Easy to hate. puts it together and, and, of course, wins. But, yeah, no, it's all these little it's all these little moments. It's all these little episodes or vignettes. Of, it's true, yeah. You know, when they're at the pool or with the fireworks mm-hmm. and at the carnival. And they're kind of... I like that they're kind of exploring all these different things about childhood, yeah. actually. Baseball is there. It's, so throughout the whole thing. It's definitely the main thing in their lives, but it's it's the perfect summer movie, really. It really is about this one magical summer that we, as we're watching it, wish that we could relive. I completely um, agree. Yeah, it's fun. So I actually saw this movie for the first time as an adult. I just saw it for a couple a couple years ago for the really? first time. Yeah. I so I, I don't have those 
kind of childhood memories. Yeah, yeah. But it was one of the things that works so great about this movie is that kids can watch it and enjoy it because it's sort of shows the perspective of being a kid. Totally. But Very adults accurate. can enjoy it for the same reason. Mm-hmm. Like, I watch this and remember what it was like to be a yeah, kid. Yeah, yeah. You know, so I, I think it, it's, you know, it's like the Pixar movies. It kind of works on both of those levels. Of mm-hmm. If I'm looking at it in the present or I'm looking at it through a lens of the past kind of thing. Totally. And I think that's that's sort of something else that people say about this movie a lot is that it makes us nostalgic for a time that we didn't even live through. We did not live. We yeah. are not uh, old people. <laughs> <laughs> we did not live through that time. So, again, it, it makes us nostalgic for a time we didn't experience. Totally. We did, because it's pre, at least for us, it's pre-cell phones. It's pre-cell phones and internet and technology, and like this is what we did. It's this weird, cool mix of, like, it's a period movie, but it's also timeless. Every generation goes through something like that. Yeah, I think that's what it works great. I think another reason this movie works so great is that it's very kind of impressionistic. You know, Mm, like, it's it's a a lot like A Christmas Story is the other one that I was thinking of. Yeah. Where it's not... They're really similar, too, with the narrator. It's true. You know, there, there are some, I think there are some kids movies or, or movies about kids that do a great job of sort of showing the the reality of being a kid and the struggle and having those emotions and all mm-hmm. that and this one really more gives the feel of being a kid totally. you know the the sequences of seeing the beast uh are so <laughs> huge, over the top and huge puppets yeah, yeah and it's it you know it feels terrifying it feels scary it feels oh, yeah. intense as a kid watching this movie, those parts did freak me out. And I'm not alone in that. I'm pretty sure most kids were freaked out by those parts, which made it more exciting to watch. But that fucking dog was so scary, dude. <laughs> and then you learn at the end that it's, dogs are wonderful. That's true. All you have to do is put a fence on it, <laughs> practically paralyze the dog, and, and then, then it'll love you. And then don't kill it. That's right. And then, the, then it's a totally cool dog. I think the beast is the best antagonist in all baseball movies. Whoa, that's a statement. What? Who's better? I guess they don't really have villains I mean, I, I most get, baseball movies. Yeah, there are some bad guys. Yeah. You know, but mm. this is a sort of, there's a huge arc with, this is the antagonist throughout the whole thing. Yeah. And it takes on these mythic proportions that, you know, some of these characters, like Babe Ruth is sort of a big character in this movie. That's true. You know, it kind of takes on the same, you know, legendary quality. Like that, he's literally in the movie. He's, not, <laughs> he's actually he, in the movie. He's a character and a character in the movie. Played by that one guy yeah. that does movies. I've got his I name his, what's written his in name? the notes. He's also in Field of Dreams. How about that? That's true. Look at that. Yeah. Someone, and Jamesville Jones. MVP. MVP of baseball movies. <laughs> second only to Kevin. Yeah, yeah really. Best supporting MVP. Best supporting MVP. <laughs> I love the scene in this movie where they're playing baseball at night and the fireworks are going off. I just love it. It's the most magical th- yeah. sequence. Um, it's it's incredible. It's wonderful. Actually, I, I, I just love baseball at night in general. Like, sure. It's a great scene and there's great fireworks. Yeah. But like when, when you talk about baseball and you sort of get the image of your head, I always picture it. And like people, people talk about, you know, like, oh, playing baseball on a beautiful summer day. Like that's sort of the iconic image that people say. Right. But I always, I just think baseball at night is so special. Sure. You know, and it's just it like is. the whole day stops. The Cubs like didn't even have it for, for decades. It's true. The, like everything stops. Everyone's day is done and you go to the ballpark and you watch a baseball game yeah. and there's no other business going it's on. True. You don't do, you're not supposed to do anything else at night. There's something magical about it being in like this island of light. 
and then in a void of yeah. darkness, you know, where it's just like it's almost like a stage. The the actual theatrical lights are are down on this stage, and you're like, it, oh, this is where the magic's gonna. Yeah, happen. It, it that's the word that I was thinking of too. Yeah. It does have this magical quality. Yeah, totally. We're defying the gods. Right. Day will stop for everyone else except yeah, yeah, yeah. baseball. Exactly. And that <laughs> sequence really does that. It also it also shows you the the point of view of the kids. And they're all of fireworks, yeah, which is so real. It's great, and I love fireworks. But kids fucking love fireworks. <laughs> and then Benny, totally not bothered by the fireworks at all, because Benny's the best human there ever is or was. While everyone else is distracted, yeah, he's he just committed, run. and that's why he's the only one that makes it. It's very Miguel <laughs> Cabrera esque in that sense. I guess that's true. Yeah. That's it, that you see that uh, a couple years ago. There's a video on YouTube of they tried to intentionally walk. Miguel Cabrera and the pitcher didn't throw it far enough and he hits he hits Did you get it. a base hit? He got a base hit. Damn, dude, that guy's cool. <laughs> He's great. And now let's get into some inside baseball, Andrew. I love it. This is this is the point of the show. Right. right? Where we talk about the baseball <laughs> the nerdy stuff. in the movie. <laughs> I think one of the things that we have to talk about is yeah. Babe Ruth and the called shot. Because it, yes. it opens the movie. It's kind of all over this movie. It's he Babe Ruth is a big sort of thematic character in this movie. Yeah. Uh, shows up as an actual character. You could make a supercut of it every time they say Babe Ruth in It'd this movie. be 90% yeah. of the movie. And all his different nicknames. So I want to talk about the called shot, because this is really important both to this movie, but also to sort of baseball and baseball kind of mythology. So this is the thing that people know about Babe Ruth. Yeah. Like normal people. It's like, what do you know about Babe Ruth? Oh, he called the home run. He, point, he did the point. Yeah. Yeah. But I found the story of what actually happened. So I want to... Was you fucking time travel? <laughs> I, I I didn't time travel. I read a book. Oh, <laughs> and, and books! Out of I've that. heard of those. So so there's a very nice summary of this event. In uh, this is a great book. It's uh, Marty Appel's book, Pinstripe Empire. Okay, it's sort of a history of the Yankees and and all these you know crazy characters that are sure. in Yankees history. Uh, so this is this is from this book. So here's what happened. And this how is do we know this guy's an expert? Uh, well, he wrote this book and he, he got it published. <laughs> I mean, that's really hard to do, man. I guess so. All uh, right, we'll trust Marty. Go so, ahead. So here's what happened. So it was the 1932 World Series, mm-hmm. which was actually Babe Ruth's last. Wait, wait, wait. We should we should preface with that. According to legend, this is what happened. But there's that's been true. many people who have refuted that. Like, oh, that's he true. was just pointing at the that's, the, I'll, I'll get in. the yeah. sun, or I don't even what was he pointing at. Some that's, people think people they're they're different interpretation. We'll, right. we'll get there. Well, we'll that's why. I just want to make it clear that, like, when you said this is actually what happened, it's uh, because true. there's many people who think different that's things true. happened. Yeah. As as we go through this timeline, we'll sort of see where kind of this mythology was was born out okay. of. So continue with your Marty. 1932 World Series. It was Babe Ruth's last World Series. I did not know that. It was the Cubs versus the Yankees. Okay. And this was a really bitter World Series. Apparently, there were mm-hmm. a lot of insults traded. Babe Ruth again, kind of nearing the end of his career. Uh, I guess the Cubs were calling him Grandpa. All <laughs> series, dude. If Babe Ruth was my fucking grandpa, how great <laughs> would be that the best life? Grandpa. Oh, he'd be the he was America's he, grandpa. He was, that's true. That's <laughs> Babe Ruth, America's grandpa. So, so this happened in Game Three. Babe Ruth comes up. It's the top of the fifth inning. They're at Wrigley Field. Who's winning the series at this point? Mm, hmm. I think the Yankees won the first two, but I didn't put it in my notes. Good job, Andrew. So don't quote me on that. <laughs> But uh, it's the fifth inning. Okay. It's a 4-4 tie game. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's one on and no outs. So Babe Ruth comes up. He takes the batter's box. And someone from the Cubs dugout rolls a lemon across the field. 
A lemon? A lemon. And this is sort of an insult for you're a dud. You're a lemon. You're a oh, like you're, a, you're a loser. Is that where that phrase comes from? I don't know if I that's was associated what, with cars. I don't know if this came first or if people use that phrase and then someone was like wouldn't it be great if we actualized it and just threw Dude, a lemon? Can you imagine if that was like still an insult today? I'm gonna, I'm gonna bring it back. I'm gonna start throwing lemons at so people. You get in an argument, and you're just like, you know what, buddy? And you pull out a lemon out of your pocket and just, just roll, roll right it right in front of him. <laughs> right in front of him. Yeah. So someone threw a lemon, and Babe Ruth obviously, you know, was not happy about that. Uh, the Cubs pitcher was Charlie Root. So we get into this. We get into this at bat. First pitch is a strike. Wait, who picked up the lemon? Uh... So they rolled it on the field, and he was just like, ah, get that lemon out of here. Sure. <laughs> okay, first. Again, I, there's first. so much, there's, listeners, there's so much mythology about this event. <laughs> we, we don't know the true story. I really hope that they left the lemon on the field. What if, uh, I hope no one tripped on the lemon. Oh, man. That would have been bad. That would have been a whole other chapter to this story. So, first pitch is a strike. Okay. And Babe Ruth waves his finger. And he said something like... He does the Matumbo? Yeah. He said something like, it only takes one to hit. And this is verified oh. because the catcher and the umpire, they both heard him say something. So we're kind of starting already with sort of an interaction between sure. Babe Ruth and, and, the and Charlie Root. The count eventually comes to two and two. And Ruth holds up two fingers and points at either Root, the pitcher, or the bleachers. Mm-hmm. And... He sort of points his bat out towards the field, and he shouts something at Root. And this is sort of the famous interaction, right? So we kind of don't know. It's two fingers, and he shouts something well, we at the But we don't know what he shouted. And kind of holds his bat in sort of a funny way. Yeah. We don't know what shouted. Yeah. What was shouted? I'm not a lemon. <laughs> <laughs> You're a lemon. Fuck you and your lemons. On the next pitch, yeah. he hits a 490-foot home run. And it was his last home run of the postseason. Get the heck out of here. Ever. Oh. So, what happened? Did they go on to win the series, the Yankees? jeez. Uh, yeah. I got too many questions for you. I got so many things <laughs> to do for the next show. <laughs> um, okay, what were we going to say? Oh, clearly they did, because the Cubs did <laughs> Oh, yeah. Duh. <laughs> duh. Of okay, course. fair. Um, okay. Four, so, how did they know it was 490 feet? There was no stat cast. Uh, afterwards. They did. It, right. It's the, arguably the most he famous. He hit home. a 700 foot home run. <laughs> it's one of the most famous home runs in all of it. It's oh. the most famous. I would say the most famous. More than. Yeah. Bobby. Whatever you're about to say, yeah. Bobby Thompson's home run? More than that? Yes, only because you were just you were saying how like people only know one thing about Babe Ruth. It's that he hit that home run. That's true. You, you, you ask any random person who's Bobby Thompson, they're gonna be like, "Who? What?" Shot her around the world. I mean, obviously, I would love if that was the most famous home run. I got gotcha. you, but I got gotcha. you. Okay, fair enough. So here's what happened next. Okay. Back to Babe Ruth's called shot. Journalists at the time reported that he pointed out to center field. So already, journalists are like, "We're gonna get some Eating drama up, yeah. out of this." The other players who were asked about it, again, at the time, this is like the journalists were asking them about this to write up the papers for the next morning mm-hmm. to give the game summary. And a lot of the other players weren't sure. There are a couple different stories. A lot of them said he was holding up his finger indicating he had one strike left. Mm. Again, remember, he was holding up two fingers before, one finger kind of, we don't know what's going on. It only takes one to hit. He's yeah. already got kind of an interaction with the pitcher going on. 
Others in the same dugouts, they interviewed Yankees and Cubs on both sides. Others said he was definitely gesturing to center field. Absolutely. Like, that's who he was. I have no doubt in my mind that that was, that was what that gesture was. The catcher was a guy named Gabby Hartnett. He denied he was pointing to the bleachers. Interesting. So he said, absolutely not. The pitcher, Charlie Root, yeah. he said he didn't think it was that he was calling his shot. And he said if it was and he had seen it, he would have beamed him on the next ball. So Charlie so Root weird. thinks that it's just part of their kind of back and forth. Right, he was pointing at him. He was, he was taunting him. It only takes one good pitch to right, hit, yeah. you know, already. So there are, there are these sort of different stories that kind of emerge out of this event. Here's the twist. Yeah. This goes on. There's a twist? Babe, well, Babe Ruth says in the moment, he was very media savvy. You know, a lot of Babe Ruth. Sure. I think we'll see this when we talk about some of the movies that deal with his life more directly. Right. He was good John at... John Goodman, baby. He was good at, at expanding the legend of Babe Ruth, mm-hmm. making himself a big character. Larger than life, yeah. Exactly. So immediately he says, oh, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely, of course I was doing it. Also, keep in mind, there was no TV at the time. So, like, the only way people knew what was happening was the newspapers the next day, right? But it's funny you should say that. Oh, shit. Here's the twist. Babe Ruth invented TV. <laughs> the twist is, in the audience that day, Matt Candle, uh, just a spectator, oh, right. had a camera of it, right. and he was filming it. That's right. And his grandson released this footage yeah. in 1982. Okay. There was a huge uproar. People said, this is the Zapruder film of baseball. It really but is. Yeah. We can analyze it frame by frame. The thing is... His angle, where he was sitting, who yeah. was, was behind home plate, where he's sitting, you can't really see clearly enough. You can mm. see that there is a gesture, yeah. but you can't see any of the intent. Okay. So you, we, we've confirmed that he does sort of raise his bat and he sure. holds his hand up, but is he pointing? Is he talking to Charlie Root? Yeah. We kind of don't really know. But it's the most famous. It's the, yeah. The home run in all of baseball and, yeah. and part of the Babe Ruth myth, which I think is really cool. And they... Do it very well in the Sandlot. They do great. Ham does it. Ham does it twice and whiffs. Yes, <laughs> he points and misses. He really does. I think he does it. Uh, doesn't he do it a second time and hits it? Does he? Yeah, because the, what the, the one kid says, "Okay, I'm going to give you my heater. You want my heater?" And then he and he hits it over the fence, and then they're all angry at Ham for losing the ball. For losing the ball, which is a fun fun idea of like you hit a home run you dick <laughs> now we can't play anymore so so that's the way to do it just point every time it's true <laughs> and then people will only remember the time you actually hit the home run <laughs> it's interesting that that movie like most movies most baseball movies the home run is the thing right it's, the most cinematic, so cinematic awesome fucking cool moment it's wonderful the sandlot flips that on its head and goes Hey, home runs are terrible. Game's over now. <laughs> yeah. Can't, Thanks, Dave. Your, your moment of glory has <laughs> now outlasted. Yeah. Uh, that's terrible. That's yeah. really sad. Isn't that sad? <laughs> okay, so while we're on this theme of Babe Ruth, there's one other thing that we should kind of talk about yeah. for this movie. Uh, so James Earl Jones plays our crotchety old man, Mr. Myrtle. Mm-hmm. Uh, when they realize he's maybe not so crotchety. Right. He's just an old baseball fan. At the end, he sort of takes... Smalls and Benny into his house shows mm-hmm. him all his baseball. Uh, he also has his a baseball, baseball room. <laughs> Everyone has a baseball room. <laughs> Literally, every in this universe, <laughs> every house just has kitchen, bedroom, dining room. I, I want the a baseball, baseball room. room. Yeah, uh, but he shows the boys a photo of himself 
with Babe Ruth and Lou Gehrig, mm-hmm. which is a lot of fun. And he says, oh, you know George? Yeah, he and calls him George. And everyone in the audience said, who's George? Yeah. <laughs> I thought his name was Babe. <laughs> so this photo I found, this is a retouched, it's a famous photo. Oh, cool. Obviously retouched to have young James Earl mm-hmm. Jones. Uh, but his head was put on the body of Hall of Fame slugger Jimmy Fox. Oh. Uh, he was a real player who is pictured with Ruth and Gehrig. Uh, so, but there's a little bit of controversy about this. or Not controversy, but I guess sort of a misnomer. People said, wait a second, Babe Ruth didn't play with African-American players. Because right, Jackie right. Robinson broke the color barrier in 1947. But what is not explained, I guess, very very well in the movie, but it's it's the truth of the story is that a lot of these early players, like Babe Ruth and Lou Gehrig, guys playing in the 20s and 30s, they played with African American players all the times. Yeah, just not in. When they do the like major practice leagues. games, like scrimmages, they and would stuff. do scrimmages. They would do practice games. They would do like they would go down to the Negro leagues, right? And right. Play, play in, games with them in the off season. Right. You know, guys were hanging out, and they would put together these sort of pickup games all the time. Also, guys traveling, they would go and play mm-hmm. in Cuba, in other countries, and right. play African American players or. or black players and it was no big deal yeah uh there's a there's a novel by dennis lehane called the given day that opens with babe ruth on the back of a train (laughs) drunk out of his mind (laughs) coming back from going to see some of these negro player negro league players play and just thinking they're all better than me (laughs) isn't that isn't that incredible uh so they did play against negro leaguers in cuba and again in new jersey in west kansas and st louis all the time that's cool. It just so happened that, you know, nobody was willing to kind of take a shot and help a Negro League player into the major leagues, unfortunately. Yeah. Until Jackie Robinson. So you tell me that Babe Ruth and them, they were kind of like the rich kids in the Sandlot. <laughs> that, that, there, there's a, <laughs> they there's would a come wonderful... down to the Negro Leagues and be like, hey. There's actually, there's a great sort of theory about this movie. Yeah. That this movie is actually about the breaking down of the color barrier in baseball. And we've got hmm. our ragtag diverse group of kids yeah uh you know benny is latino right uh kenny the pitcher yeah is black, black. in again 1962 sure when this movie takes place yeah. it's a kid's movie but yeah, yeah, yeah. you know it, you you gotta have to think of these things a little bit mm-hmm. uh and the whole point of the movie is you know they're they're really good players and at the end of the movie literally the wall comes down the fence into uh mr myrtle's backyard uh the you know the scary thing that that has sort of kept them out of you know uh baseball history mr myrtle's house is baseball history with garrig and ruth and all that and the wall has kept them out of that and at the end the wall comes down and then of of course benny goes on to play for the dodgers the the dodgers have you know the 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 historical theme there this you movie know. has literally like the happiest ending of movies. It's great. It's wonderful. Literally, they were Benny and Smalls were childhood friends that played baseball. That's their whole relationship, and then they grow up, and he becomes a major league baseball player. And Smalls is he's, the announcer. He's a radio announcer. He's a radio announcer for the same team. That's true. <laughs> Although here's here's something I thought of. Yeah. 
what 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 outlet is he doing the doing the score? Like, who's he announcing to? Because Vince yeah, Scully was Vince the Scully's radio there. guy for what sixty years. It's uh, satellite radio. The first year satellite radio was introduced. <laughs> it's uh, serious, I have no idea. XM. Yeah, like what? That's a really good. There's a there's a dark version where he's just doing it by himself. Like Benny gets him yeah. a job and it's like just That's talking right. to the microphone and it's not even plugged in and he's just you know. Or even darker version where Vince Scully doesn't exist. Oh, no. <laughs> That's terrible. Yeah. I don't want to live in that world. <laughs> Man, Vince Cully was so great. Oh, he's the, he still is great. Uh, another fun baseball thing in this movie, there's a lot of good production design. Sort of, we were pausing mm, the movie mm-hmm. throughout and looking at yeah, we were. things. Uh, again, everyone has a baseball room. <laughs> so there, there are a lot of pennants. We see the Dodgers. We see the Philadelphia A's. We see the Yankees. Yeah. Kenny is wearing a Kansas City Monarchs hat, nice. which is pretty cool. They're sort of the most famous Negro Leagues team. Right, yeah. Uh, they were the longest-running franchise in the Negro Leagues, and they were the first professional team to use lights to play night games in 1930. Get the heck out of here. Five years before wow. they brought lights to the Major Leagues. That's, that's incredible that's to That's insane. To be yeah. in 1930, and it's... Can you imagine being being a baseball fan, and then like the promo at the time was like, we play at night. Play baseball at night. Like That must have been so mind-blowing. You don't have to skip work to yeah. experience baseball. You can come... At night, that's it. You can drink a beer and not be drunk at three oh o'clock. Oh my god! A little more about the Kansas City Monarchs. They won the first Negro League World Series, and the team was active from 1920 until guess guess when? Guess when the teams stopped being active? Oh, I think I feel like I know this. It's later, way later than it than I think it should be. That's right. So Jackie Robinson was what year? 40? Jackie Robinson was 1947. I'm going to say 1974. 1965. Dang. That's still... That's crazy. It's still around. Yeah. There's a whole argument that people say that, like, the integration was sad because it killed the Negro Leagues and that there weren't as... All the black coaches, all the black management just completely disappeared. That's absolutely right. It's... Um, That's a big theme in the... Uh, Ken Burns series. This yeah, the totally. history of the Negro Leagues is woven throughout that series with just as much importance as it really is, quote yeah. unquote regular major leagues or whatever. Uh, and it's a beautiful story, but there is this sort of tragic ending. This melancholy, this bittersweet. Like, yeah, it's gone, but it's it's a happy ending. But but, but uh, it was still around when this team, when these guys are yeah. playing. He could have Kenny could have gone to see the Kansas City Monarchs it's for true. another three years after after this movie takes place. That's a good point. Uh, we also have looking at hats. Vetrum, uh, one of the one of the other kids, uh, he's wearing a L.A. Angels hat. Right. Uh, and they had just gotten there. Their they first were, year. Right? They were created as an expansion team in 1961, <laughs> and this is in Southern California. So they could have. Was Gene Autry the owner at the time? Uh, was he later? That's a great question. Actually, I, I don't know if he was the owner at the time, but at one point the team was owned by Walt Disney. That's very true. Which makes sense, because they're right next to Disney World. <laughs> um, and then Bertram, famously, at the end of the movie, uh, we don't know what happened he to him. Disappears. <laughs> he disappears. He, quote-unquote, got really into the 60s. <laughs> For those of you who haven't seen the movie recently, there's an epilogue at the end where they kind of like, where are they now? And they go through each kid, and they get to Bertram, and they go, ah, we don't know where he went. And no one ever saw him again. <laughs> no one literally ever saw him again. That's dark. That's the, there are all these little dark facets of the movie. There really are, yeah. <laughs> But that's the best. That, those to me, those are the best kids' movies. That like keep it light and fluffy, and then all of a sudden there's this really dark, <laughs> hit him with the dark yeah, somewhere in there. Oh, okay. So just to finish off our uh, sort of production design talk, yeah. 
Let's talk about some money. So in 2012, a ball with a pristine Babe Ruth signature was uh, sold at auction. In what year? 2012. Okay. Guess how much? How pristine. Much a pristine ball. Authenticated if, Babe if Ruth signature. Smalls had never used that <clears throat> ball. That ball gets so fucked. <laughs> <laughs> It's eaten, slobbered on. I think it's digested and spit back yeah, out. At the, at the least. There's also moments where you don't see what's going on with that ball. <laughs> so if he had never played with that ball and it was in pristine condition, signed Babe Ruth ball, Dude. sold in 2012 for how much? $2 million? Oh, no, not that much. Uh, wow. You I don't love know. I have Babe. no idea. I'm like, People don't love Babe Ruth that much. $500 million. <laughs> how much? 3800 Only $3,000? I'm sorry, I messed up. Oh, is it $300,000? Ask me again. No, it's fine. You got it. You got it. We're not going to cut this out. We're going to keep it in there for shame. $388,000. Damn. $375. I really overshot that. (laughs) So in exchange for that, uh, uh, James Earl Jones gives him a a ball signed by the entire Murderer's Row, 1927 Yankees. That's got to be... More <laughs> a uh, a ball was taken to PBS's Antiques Roadshow. Great show, by the way. Great show. Would love to do a podcast on that. It show. was not in pristine condition, so the value isn't quite as okay. high as the perfect Babe Ruth ball. Sure, but that ball was estimated to be valued between fifteen and twenty thousand. That makes more sense. And uh, there's a great video for people who want to check that out. A great video. Uh, the Antiques Roadshow Yeah, the video. Antiques Roadshow thing. Does the person bring it in, like, unknowingly, like, I have this ball yeah, with a he, bunch of names on it. He's like, I, I found it in my dad's sock drawer. Excuse me. <laughs> the guy's like, um, 15 to 20 Do you know who Baby Ruth is? There's there's also a really fun the little thing, just in our, in our to finish up our money tour, Yeah, I guess. So there's this great scene where the ghost of Babe Ruth kind of comes out of the closet. Yes. And talks to Benny and gives him the inspiration of mm-hmm. you got to stop with stop your shenanigans. Yeah, stop just with all do the, it. Just hop over the fence and get the ball. You got it. At the end, uh, there's a, a funny little nod to some inside baseball. He takes the Hank Aaron rookie card, right? And he says, "Yeah, do you mind if I keep this?" <laughs> Hank Aaron, Henry Aaron. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, I don't know why. But, I don't know uh, why. Do you mind yeah. if I keep this? <laughs> Benny foolishly says yes. What a Dummy. Because it's a 1954 Topps Hank Aaron rookie card estimated at $28,000. Wow, I really had no basis for the prices of these things. I really thought they were like millions of dollars. Uh, now, you're talking about the, uh, what's the famous card? The Honus Wagner card. Yeah, that's probably a lot of money. And also, in, like, the, in the boom of when that was going on, when that's they were right. worth a lot. Yeah. The rest are like Beanie Babies. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like, all right. Ten million one. We've realized that they're just cardboard. <laughs> <That's> just cardboard <laughs> with bubble gum. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But uh, uh, Benny gave away twenty eight thousand dollars. Dang. I mean, it doesn't really matter, I guess, because he became a professional baseball player. Mm. Which another fun inside baseball thing: he steals home at the end of the movie, that's which he does in the beginning of the movie. But I feel like that's a, a very uh, big nod to Jackie Robinson. That's his most arguably that's his like most his, famous. Play. That's his thing. Yeah. yeah. So here's a question. Yeah. Is this, does this movie take place in the same universe as Field of Dreams? Is this a thing that people think? Uh, or is this you? This is just this, you. This is just me. Andrew's theory. But here's, here's the thing. Yeah. Benny opens his closet and the ghost of Babe Ruth I mean, that's a good point. That's a really good point. I mean, is, the, is this a world where... There's baseball magic. Baseball ghosts have these outlets out there in Is a James Earl field? Jones playing James Earl Jones's? Distant relative. So I thought about that very yeah. carefully. Okay. 
Do we want to get into some spoilers, I guess, for Field of Dreams? For Field of Dreams? I mean, yeah, sure. Uh, Spoiler alert for Field of Dreams. If you haven't seen Field of Dreams and you're listening to this podcast... Just stop. Just go watch it. literally right now and go watch that movie. And And then you can listen to our episode about it in the future. (laughs) But James Earl Jones uh, walks into the corn, the magical corn, at the end of Field of Dreams. Right. What if, while he's there, he experiences this great baseball adventure... And they, there's some time travel. He like gets reincarnated. Too. They, they kind of spit him out. Yeah. You know, ten, fifteen years earlier okay. into this movie. I want to see that movie. But <laughs> because he was in the corn, where you yeah. see things truly, now yeah. he's back in the real world. Now he's blind. But that's why he's got all these photos with. But Luke in the movie, he says he got he was blind because he got hit in the face. Maybe Babe Ruth him in the face. What if <laughs> in the corn? Okay, well, what if, corn game. what if he went back in time? But as it, when he got to the past he was like a younger version of himself mm. and then started playing baseball and became that guy he just so so there's no magical baseball land it's just time travel it's just straight up time it's travel. just yeah so he 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 came out of the corn and was like how do i where, where, where am do I, I go now yeah yeah and he's like <laughs> i guess i'll play baseball <laughs> that i now that i've gone through this magical right. baseball there's journey only yeah there's the only, only one thing to do end here yeah that's amazing that would be great i think it's got to be true <laughs> I would love to see that movie. Field of Dreams too is just yeah. him going back in time. Field of Dreams, starring young James Earl Jones. This is this is like the baseball cinematic universe. <laughs> Field of Dreams and uh, Sandlot. I'm down place to keep building cinema. onto that. I feel like there's probably others. Every sh- every movie now we got to find what's the oh, connection. God. <laughs> uh, there's another thing with this movie about trash talking. You know, that's kind of Ham's mm. whole strategy. Sure, yeah. When they play the, the rich kids. He gets in their just, head. Yeah, yeah, as a catcher. So that's a, that's a thing. Yeah. You know, catchers. The whole the whole point with hitting is to have good timing, mm-hmm. you know, and to anything they can kind of use to throw off the timing is pretty good. So trash talkers are a thing. I guess Pedro Martinez was a legendary trash talker, and that's sort of where... From the mound? Even from the mound, yeah. Wow. From the mound, uh, you know, while... Guys were in the batter's box warming up, and that's what started the famous uh, run-in with Jorge Posada, which again built to the Don Zimmer incident, which he threw Don Zimmer down on the ground. Oh it was all from trash talking, just just keeping him off their keeping him off their game. And right, it, yeah. Uh, Pedro Martinez also blamed Jorge Posada for that. Did he? <laughs> he's, that's why he's the best. Dude, Pedro is awesome. I saw Pedro play in a in the 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 game where they left him in. What is it? Game four. They left him in too long. Mm-hmm. Is that game three? This is. Oh, I have to cut this out if I don't know yeah, this. No, we're fakes, <laughs> frauds. I'm not a Red Sox fan. I don't give a shit about the Red Sox. I guess Ichiro when he came over. Ichiro, it, he like was in a, Japanese, just like talking well, to people. I guess he's he he gave an interview and he said there are all these American uh, English curse words. These oh. words in America that people use that we don't have in Japan. So he was really excited to come over and be able to trash talk. <laughs> Expanded his trash talking horizons, but he didn't speak English. <laughs> so he kind of couldn't do it. But over the course of his career, a lot of people don't know this about Ichiro, he learned Spanish. And then he oh, was able to... I didn't know that. There are so many Spanish-speaking players. That's true, yeah. He sort of excelled at, you know, he'd get on second base and trash talk to second baseman in, in Spanish. Spanish. <laughs> uh, That's great. That's another reason why that guy... Who doesn't love Ichiro? <laughs> he's really Mr. Baseball, He's be he's honest. Wonderful. So, The Sandlot takes place in 1962. Yep. Uh, so, a couple things were gone, was going on in baseball at the time. Tell me. Uh, me. They say in the movie, this is a line, it says, The season after Dodger Maury Wills breaks the stolen base record. 
Maury Wills was a great player. He won the MVP in 1962, actually. So he had this great season and continued to do well. He had a really good stretch there. 104 steals. That's when he broke 104. the record. 104. What's the steals. record now? I keep asking you questions, and you're like, I didn't get that far, Paul. <laughs> I'm not interested in now. Here, I'll just look at it right now. That's great. You keep talking. Uh, he led the National League in steals six times in his career. He won two gold gloves. He had five selections to the All-Star game. And generally, he had a terrific career. So that's Maury Wills. Thank you, dude. Uh, some other things going on in 1962. Mickey Mantle won the American League MVP. Don Drysdale won the Cy Young. And that was when there was only one awarded for both leagues. So, oh, wow. That's Don hard. Drysdale's a badass. Uh, that year, Jackie Robinson was selected for the Baseball Hall of Fame, which is fantastic. He's a great player. He, Jackie Robinson? Yeah, he's pretty good. <laughs> oh, okay. Here's something fun. Give me some fun stuff. 1962 was the first year of the Mets, uh, the New York Metropolitan. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, they were introduced that year. Yep. It was also the first year for Dodger Stadium in Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. Uh, the worst place in the world. <laughs> there were 20 teams, 10 in each league, including the Kansas City Athletics and the Washington Senators in the American League. In the National League, we had the Milwaukee Braves and the Houston Colt 45s. <laughs> That's badass. They became the Astros in 1964. Oh, okay, there you go. Uh, some of the biggest players playing at the time, Willie Mays, Roberto Clemente, Sandy Koufax, Bobby Thompson, Hank Aaron, Mickey this really Mano, was Ernie like Banks, Don Drysdale. Golden Age. Like, this was the, the, the era that... It, uh, all of these legends... Yeah, we're sort of playing at the you know next level, just yeah. taking it up to uh, god levels. I guess <laughs> is the best way to say. It. Okay, I have it. Are you ready? I'm re- I'm ready. The new the modern okay. Let me just read it via Google. A new modern modern mark was set by Lou Brock with 118 in 1974. Wow, and again by Ricky Henderson with 130 in 1982. Dang, and no one's gonna break it. No one's ever going to break that. Absolutely no. not. That's never going to Who's the closest, I wonder? Well, well, no one... I think it's like Cal Ripken's. It's like no one's going to be allowed to do that. That's really That's true. sort of a yeah, reaction yeah, yeah. to kind of Moneyball and Sabermetrics is yeah. we're not stealing as much. No one cares. You know, I don't want yeah. you to get thrown out. I'd rather... It's not worth it. We try and get a walk or right, you yeah. know, try and get a hit, something like that. So, And it's it's affecting... It's weird. There's sort of all this domino effect with that. You know, So you see some of these players who are really good at stealing... You know, speed is valued a little bit less. That's true. You yeah. know, you want plate discipline. Especially you want, if you can just hit it over the fence. Who cares how fast you are? You want OBP. You yeah. want plate discipline. You want walks. You don't care as much about if you're just good at hitting home runs or just good at getting steals. If you yeah. have more of this sort of singular uh, talent or ability, that's not as valued as, as some of these other things. And conversely, I feel like teams that do that are still stealing more often than not, I feel like when they are running on teams, the, other, the teams are like, what? Yeah. Like pitchers are less apt. They, 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 their pickoffs moves, they don't really have them, you know? Or they don't um, they don't hold runners on. John you know? Lester. Yeah, so, like they yeah. you can run all day on that guy. It doesn't <laughs> matter. So it's, it's this weird, like, dichotomy of most of the league doesn't run. And then there's the few that do. And they... they they had success at it, yeah. yeah. And then lastly, for 1962, Billy Bean of the uh, Oakland A's and famous for Moneyball. Daryl Strawberry. Favorite, favorite guy. <laughs> Daryl Strawberry and Roger Clemens were all born 
1962. Oh, wow. So You just Ken burns it. I did. Ken did. Burns always does that. I should have read it in an old-timey voice. <laughs> Billy Bean, Daryl Strawberry, and Roger Clemens were born. <laughs> wow. I don't know who died. Hopefully. Yeah, no, no we don't need to tell died. people who died. That's depressing. It's too dark. Yeah. Uh, great. So that <laughs> is The Sandlot, and that's the baseball in The Sandlot. That's right. It's a, it's a great movie. It really is. I haven't seen it. Paul, how would you... Let's rate this movie. Right. How would you rate this movie? So, we're going to rate these movies according to, obviously, baseball jargon. Baseball plays. Right. So, because, uh, duh. <laughs> like, <laughs> That's not tacky. Not tacky at all. And if you think it is, it's why are you listening to it? I like that um, it's subtle and not on the nose. Not at all. <laughs> not in the slightest bit. I would rate this an inside the park home run. Wow. Because it's not as... Grandu- Granduous as Granduous? Grandiose. Grandiose. Thank you, writer man. You're welcome. Um, it's not as grand- grandiose That's as uh, an actual home run, but it, to me it, it is a home run in terms of the quality of the movie, but it's like scrappy, like a like an inside the park home run. I I love it. That's great. Like well, it a little, hits the fence and a, it goes into this wild a, goose chase and a you know a little league home run. A little, hundred percent, a little with yeah. the overthrows and all that shit. Like that's this movie. I love it. You know, I might have to change my rating. I was gonna say it's a basis clearing triple. That's pretty good. A little league home run might be. That's it. That's it's yeah yeah it's uh it's a wonderful movie. <laughs> partly because it's kind of messy and weird and hijinks. It really is just, it's an ode to baseball, summer, and being magic, yeah, being a kid. Love this movie. Great. Well, that was The Sandlot, and uh, one down. We did it. (laughs) One in the books. 10,000 to go. Oh, no. What have we done? If you want to watch The Sandlot, it is available on HBO. That's where we watched it. Or HBO Go, HBO Now. I should own this movie. I don't know why I don't own it. You can also rent it in the iTunes store or on Amazon. And this year is the 25th anniversary of this movie. So there's a brand new 25th anniversary DVD and Blu-ray with lots of fun special Check it out. If you Google uh, 25th anniversary Sandlot on YouTube, there's tons of like interviews with the kids with all grown up. Uh, Yeah, yeah. is like a big monster, man. He's beefy. He's huge. Um, He's a hunk. But all of them actually look exactly the same. It's really strange. <laughs> you, like their faces look have yeah, not changed. You can see the lineup and be like, oh yeah, that's that's you can identify it. Which one's which? Weirdly, Benny is not in any of those interviews for some reason. That's, what a jerk, man. Maybe he's Hey off. Benny, if you're listening to this, uh thanks Benny's, for listening to also, this. <laughs> Benny's name is uh Mike Vitar. It was I capitalized the I Mike and, Vitar? Yeah. Maybe it's Vitari. Vitare? No, um, uh, uh, maybe. <laughs> uh but uh I it's not Vil, vil, Viltar Whatever the hell you L. said I Mike capitalized Voltron. <laughs> Regardless uh, Yeah you go watch the movie Go look up those interviews They're really fun You're gonna have a good time Yeah We'll see you We'll see you next time See you next time Baseball at the movies Play ball Baseball at the movies What's the podcast called? Play ball Play ball Baseball Baseball with movies <laughs> Play ball Baseball Where there's movies in baseballs Look if you If you're listening to this If you found it Yeah Just go to the next one yeah. In your in your whatever we listen. And podcast. next week we actually know what we're going to watch. You want to tease it? We can tease it. What are we talking about next week, Paul? Well, Andrew, I'm glad you asked. Next week we're actually going to watch uh, "Take Me Out to the Ball Game." It's from 1949. I've it's never, a, I've never seen. It. Neither of us have seen it. It's a musical starring Frank Sinatra, Esther Williams, and Gene Kelly. Um, I can't wait to be honest amazing. with you. Yeah, and that's part of the the fun about this is that. 
there's literally like a century of baseball movies. So, so many. many we haven't even heard of. So I can't wait for this one. I've never heard of this movie, and yet if I was walking down the street and someone said, what if there's a baseball musical with Frank Sinatra? I would be like, that's a great movie. That sounds great. <laughs> that sounds great. Uh, so I guess we'll find out. So hopefully it's great. <laughs> hopefully it's good. All right. See you guys Thanks later. Thanks for listening. Thank you. We'll see you guys next week.